This is the CNIB podcast. Hi everyone, this is Nisha. Welcome to the Lens Living Diverse podcast brought to you by CNIB and your GTA advocacy team. This is your podcast for everything diversity as it relates to the sight loss community. Join us as we discuss your intersecting identities and your unique experiences. This conversation will be a very special one with one of our community members named Jewel. Jewel is one of the strongest women I have come across so far in my life, and it was an honor to have a conversation with her today. A warning to all listeners that this episode will discuss trauma and abuse and will contain graphic details of verbal and physical assault. These details may be distressing to some of the listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Now here is my conversation with Jewel. Today we have Jewel joining us on our podcast. I'd like everyone to welcome Jewel. And Jewel, thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with me today to discuss this very important topic, violence against women, as well as to hear about your extraordinary life and your strength and your resilience. So thank you, Jewel, so much for, for talking with me today. Oh, you're welcome. My honor. My honor. <laughs> so we're making the both of us honor. <laughs> exactly. It's both of our honors. Exactly. So um, for, you know, I have, I know you a little bit, but for those of the community who um, might not know you, why don't you just tell us a, a little bit about who, who Jewel is? Um, I was born in Jamaica. I came to Canada when I was, about nine going on 10 years old. Um, I'm visually in, impaired. Um, I don't know how much further do you want to go into knowing me. There's so much about me to know. Well, what about your family? Do you have any children? Do you have any grandchildren? Oh, yeah, I have five beautiful daughters, um, five beautiful grandchildren, four grandsons, and one granddaughter, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm pretty full. I watch my grandsons sometimes, and Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to live day by day my life, (laughs) being happy, being Jewel. What makes Jewel happy? Like, what are some of the things that you like to do? Any hobbies, interests? I know you cook, so uh, other than that, what is... What um, is I like to exercise. Doing? I do the yes. treadmill. Um, I do stretches. I like, I'm very sporty person, healthy living person. Um, I like to walk. I like to do... I like to try different things. That's okay. me. Don't tell me I can't do something or I'll go do it. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. So if you don't mind, do you mind sharing with the, with, with the audience how you lost your eyesight? Um, I was working, um, a friend of mine offered me a lift with her and supposedly good friends because um, I wouldn't have gotten into the car. And... Um, so they, I 
took the ride to go home, which was good for me. I was tired anyway, so I took the ride. And um, they dropped her off, and they were supposed to drop me off. But instead of turning onto my street, they went straight for the highway, which is known as Jacarty Bridge. And they drove me to Long Gate to a deserted um, railroad track. On the way, I, when they stopped, when they took the wrong turn, I was asking, like, what's going on? Like, what are you guys doing? And I received a hit in the back of my head and was told to shut up, bitch. And um, so I started, like, freaking out and crying and, you know, what do you guys want? You know, if it's money, I give you money. And they just calling me a whole bunch of names and... Um, so they drove me to this deserted railroad track and uh, they proceeded to beat me with the hammer and the crowbar. Um, and uh, then I remember one of the guy, he took the knife and he cut down, he opened my jacket and cut down the middle of my top and seeing that I was pregnant, and I think that startled him because uh, I think he was going to rape me, but seeing my stomach threw him off. So they continued to beat me, and they took me and put me in a hole where nobody could see me and left. Um, by the grace of God, I managed to get out of there. I believe at that moment that God was looking out for me and mm. I got enough strength to get up and go on the side. And um, at that moment, I didn't know I was blind. I felt heat on my body, but mm. I didn't, that time I wasn't thinking that, but I remember the heat and trying to get up and uh, fell back down and it was like someone told me you know just lay down and relax you're gonna be okay and uh, two kids was playing in the the yard I guess in the deserted place they were playing and they saw me they ran home to their mother and told their mother they, they saw me over there, so they called the police and the ambulance, and the guy came, and he told me, ambulance guy told me, identify himself, who he was, and I was like, thank you, Lord, and I went right back to sleep and woke up in the hospital in labor and uh, ended up giving birth to my daughter, um, they had to induce my labor because I was eight months pregnant. So they had to induce, and she was lacking oxygen. So I had to deliver her right away in and out of consciousness. Mm. And, uh, yeah, she was born, and, of course, she has difficulty right now. Yeah. And that was that. going to take yeah. a moment um, if you want to yeah. take a moment as well that's 
perfectly fine. Um, thank you so much for sharing. I mean, the strength in you sharing such a, a traumatic experience is, um, is amazing. I mean, not too many people can speak so eloquently about what they've been through. So uh, thank you so much for, for sharing. Oh, no problem. It's, it's, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person, and I believe God took me out of this to share it with people mm-hmm. so that they could um, learn and not give up on life and be thankful for what they have, and you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a bit about uh, after, like after you you gave you gave birth and um, now it's you and it's your it's your daughter. Um, how was it afterwards? Like, did you get any support from the hospital? Did they offer you any sort of psychological or support or maternal support? I mean, now you are you are blind and you have a baby. Like, your life has changed a lot to oh. very you know very new experiences that you're going through. Oh, yeah. Um, It started from the hospital. They um, gave me a worker, social worker there, um, because I wasn't able to take care of my daughter um, because the both of us were affected by this. So I wasn't able to take care of her. So we both had a worker to help me, and um, they put me in a home to recuperate. Mm-hmm. Um, where I met a lovely lady there, and she helped me to uh, get other support, like financial support. Um, I had a worker who hooked me up with the CNIB and um, the MAB, the Montreal Association for the Blind. So they came um, to the home. Um, they helped me to how to walk again, of course, with the cane. Um, that was quite, it was an experience like mm-hmm. to learn um, psychologically, to learn. I had to get counseling, of course, because mm-hmm. I had vision one day and next day I had none. So mm-hmm. I had to deal with that. And um, so I went to counseling. Um, I was going to church also, so uh, I had a pastor I was talking to, and um, I had good support, I, I have to say that. Um, the MAB, they taught me how to cook it, cook safely, um, how to do laundry, how to iron. Those may not seem uh like nothing to uh, an adult that has vision but when you lose your vision like that mm-hmm. it's something you know what i mean it's a big help um yeah and so i was i was lucky to have uh the support i had you mentioned going being, along. you mentioned being in a home uh when did you feel comfortable being on your own? Like how was there, was it, did it take a long time? Did you eventually move out and live in your own apartment? Um, 
I didn't take being um, blind uh, um, too good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a lot of anger, so mm-hmm. I kind of rebel a bit mm-hmm. to to um, for me to get to the space of where I could live by myself. Um, so. I want to say that's normal, you know, because even for me as someone with sight loss, when I was first handed the cane, I know many people could say this, like, you don't want it. You know, you're not, you're not ready for it yet. Right. So it it takes some time to get adjusted and used to it. Yeah. And you feel kind of weird with it. You, Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, sometimes you feel kind of ashamed, like you have to use this. And, you know, it, it wasn't a good thought back then, but, you know, that's how I felt. Yeah. But now I don't go nowhere without it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, I'm waiting for a dog. But, yeah, when I first started living by myself, mm-hmm. it was kind of a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? And, um but like you know, I I I manage and any any question that I had or any little difficulty I had, I would call, of course, the the worker at the MAB, and mm-hmm. you know they would help me out and uh, and I learned slowly with them and I managed to be on my own and get into a relationship and. You know, then mm-hmm. started. I I had visit. I had my other daughter for um, on the weekend, like every weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, even taking care of her was a challenge because I had to learn how to feed her and uh, make sure the spoon was going in her mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. You know things like that, so it it was it, it was a challenge at first, but you just kind of fall right into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I I mean I have no children yet, so I could only imagine uh, what it's like, you know, being completely blind and now having a newborn baby and having to learn how to take care of yourself as someone with sight loss and now having to take care of a baby so you're doing you're learning both things at the same yeah. time right so yeah. what did you come across any barriers with accessibility uh you know in terms of with your blindness or with your with with race being a, a black woman uh, any any barriers any uh issues that you might have come across during that time um the the thing is, if if I wasn't friend, like I told you with the lady, um, I don't really want to, I, I would love to say her name because she's such a beautiful person. I don't care, Armand. She's, um, she's the one that helped me because, you know, I wasn't French, that number mm-hmm. one, and plus Jamaican number two, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it was for me to get, and and I wasn't in Canada long, um, mm-hmm. because 
I've been in, I think I was in Canada maybe about nine years, eight years. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know much, really. And my life before then was like, we won't get into that. But um, so she came along and because she was a French woman. So she broke a lot of barriers for me, like, you know, to be able to live comfortably in a way um, to get things done for me and my daughter. You know, if it was just me and her, we wouldn't have gotten where the help that we got. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that she was French and, you know, it, she were, she managed to get a lot of things for me done. Mm-hmm. If it was just me by myself, forget it. Well, I wanted to bring up something because you speak French, right? So did yeah. you learn French later? Because I'm just thinking because as I've, I've, as I've talked to you, as I've gotten to know you, I've known you as speaking French. So when you had your daughter and when you're going through all of this, you were not speaking French. It was just English? Yeah. I oh, I knew okay. little bits and bits of French, but mm-hmm. not enough to go in and to the government and stuff like that. No. So even when you would go in, even if you didn't speak French, because as I know it, that part of the province is bilingual, speaking English, you were still not getting any assistance. No, no, no. Wow. Well. No. That's really, that's really, um, wow. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Today, it's still like that. Up till today, it's still the same thing. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it has not changed. That's why I'm here in Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> so you're dealing with not just, you not just accessibility issues, but being blind, but also your race is a factor. And the fact that you're not speaking the language is a factor. So all these barriers are preventing you from taking care of yourself and taking care of your child, sounds like. Yes, yeah. Wow. So good thing uh, this person came along and, and really got you the help and the support that you needed. Yes, yeah. So I thank what, God for her. I'm telling you, she did a lot for me, you know, but I wouldn't have been able because I I'm pretty sure my daughter would have ended up in the system. I wouldn't have been, They pro- I probably wouldn't have um, gotten a hold of her. And like I said, like I've had where I've had to fought for my children for the fact of my, my vision and my race, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. I've had to fight a lot for my children. Mm-hmm. And and having them here today was a battle. It wasn't easy, you know, mm-hmm. and they realize that and they see that and they love me for that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind talking about that a little bit more detail, what was the battle for your children? Because you have this woman who has helped you now in, you know, getting these resources and being more independent, what what were the other battles that that followed constantly being watched mm-hmm. constantly being watched to see when you're going to mess up so that, that you could take mm-hmm. my kids away that because of your eyesight 
or no eyesight? Um, I believe eyesight and race. And eyesight and race. What kinds of things were they doing in order to, you know, you said they were constantly watching you, but I mean, as someone who is completely blind, they were, were they, what were they doing? Cause you know, you can't tell when they're around, are they communicating with you in a way that is easy for you to communicate with them? What kinds of things were, were, were happening? Like, it's not only them, too. There was other people that would make, you know, they see they see you and they don't know nothing about me. And uh, all they see is a blind black woman, okay, with children, mm-hmm. beautiful children, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm not bragging. My daughters are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they see this and they don't feel that I'm being proper, I'm being good to my children. My children are missing something. They, she's not taking proper care. She, they're not getting like, they would. people would ask my kids, how do you eat? The mm-hmm. stupidest questions, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. I'm sure they're thinking, oh, uh, she you know, can't how wash do you them. clean her clothes? Yeah. How do you know yeah. what you're wearing? How do you mm-hmm. do, like, it, well, how do you do it? That's what my kids used to reply. <laughs> <laughs> nice answer. How do you do it? Yeah, how do you do it? Yeah. That, that used to get them upset. They'd come home sometimes, even the teachers, you know? It's mm-hmm. not only, it's, it's kind of a bit of everybody bit of everybody but I want to um take it now to your your family we've talked a bit about you know um services and supports in the community but as a woman of Jamaican descent you know and I'm of West Indian descent as well Trinidadian I know that uh our families are a big part of our lives uh, you know and they tend to be they look at women as very strong and strong-willed and independent and resilient. But going through what you have been through with your children, with your assault, how did your family help you in your recovery and in the upbringing of your children? Oh, my God, I thought so much about this question. <laughs> um, okay, my family... I was I was not grown with my family. I have not from at that point. I had not had contact with my mom since I was fifteen, sixteen. Mm-hmm. I used to talk to my grandmother. Um, that's who I felt more close to. Mm-hmm. But then um, all of a sudden. I'm not going to go into details. We lost contact. So I had no contact of my family. So it was just me alone. And uh, whatever help I had on the side. So family, no. Mm, Okay. So it was you and your children. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not sad to like. I wish I could have said, you know, my family was there. They were very supportive, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. I can't say that, you know. I wish they were, but it didn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. But eventually you you did 
get married and you had oh, yeah. you had more children and i yeah. know as being a woman who is who is blind and and you now have a husband how was that relationship were you able to depend on on your husband for support with your your sight loss and for raising the children and for you know um being your your strength as you guys are building your family together at first <laughs> at first um we were like he he did help me to get my um daughter full time that's um handicapped full time um he helped me to raise my previous daughter that i had cuz i had was pregnant with twins and i lost one of my twins mm-hmm. so i had one born so he helped me a bit with with that and then of course with him, oh my God, I had twins again. <laughs> so he was, he was, he was supportive with that. But then I think it just got a bit too much after the last one, the last born. I think it probably got a bit too much for him. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't living up to his part of the deal. Um, so we just decided it's best separated yeah so was yeah. he active in in the in the children's lives or it was just now you and and your girls it was just now me and my girls me and your girls and at this point now are you now more you're not receiving any um sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna stop there i'm gonna repeat this question so are you now at this point uh not getting any pushback or uh, is child services, are they now leaving you alone? How How is that going at that point? Now? Like in well, my life now? Oh, no, not now. Sorry, after your husband had left. Oh, right? yeah, because mm-hmm. he, Mr. Smart Man decided to tell, to call them in uh, Children's Aid and tell them that he's the one that was taking care of my daughter's and uh, I'm blind and I can't uh, take care of them on my own. Meanwhile, I was doing most of the job anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he wasn't, he wasn't very nice for the breakup. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how Children's Aid came again in my, because they came knocking at my door And I said to the lady, I said, I know exactly who sent you here. I was expecting you. I said, come on in, have a look around. And I told her everything. And then after she left. Now, because he did that, um, they put you on a thing. So if there's any report or anything, they're getting a call. So still, I had to live like like you know I had to I I couldn't live the way I want I had to check everything I do I had to fight them they still came and because my house the the kids room was messy not that messy because I'm a clean person mm-hmm. um they there was a toast crumb on the floor so they decided to take my children 
Mm-hmm. And every time I they, they I went to court, it was a different reason. Um, they had they wanted me to do parenting class after five kids. I was like, what are you like? What is this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I could be giving you guys parenting class. But I went to the meeting anyways, and, mm-hmm. like, the stuff was going on was like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. You know, because I love my daughters and I don't want them in the system because I was in the system and I don't like the system for my children. That's the last place I want them to be. So mm-hmm. I did everything that they wanted me to do so I could get them back home. So once again, your sight loss and race played a factor in you. Played a factor, yeah. Played a factor. And that's what bothers me so much is because if you were sighted and not a black woman, you wouldn't have, they would have just, you know. For sure. Left. For sure. I've seen so many mothers that are not black doing so many horrible things to their children. Children, they come and just walk away and leave them with their kids. And I, I'm, I'm, all I'm doing is loving and try to take care of my children. Mm-hmm. That's all I was doing. And they were just mad because I was doing a good job. You know, that's that's all it is. I was doing, they just followed me and followed me to a breaking point. They even all the way when I went to Montreal, the worker eavesdropped on my telephone. Um, she, I didn't hang up the phone properly and I was having a conversation with my neighbor and um, uh, uh, to be blunt about smoking this place. <laughs> So she went she went back and phoned the, the the Bradshaw in Montreal and told them about the conversation and tried to get my kids taken away from me in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Like I don't this lady I swear she was just out for me. Mm-hmm. Just out for me. That's it. And then you were able yeah. to get off of uh, out of that situation and no longer are they were they bothering yeah. you I guess once that was all yeah. cleared up after you went to the parenting classes and and now it sounds like from talking with you that spirituality and your faith really has a big part in your life do you want to talk about about that for a bit sure um about my, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, but, well, okay, so I'll start again. <laughs> oh, let me just go back. Um, sorry. Spirituality is a big topic, girl. So I know. So what, <laughs> role, does, what role does spirituality uh, play in your, in, your, in your life? Like, are you someone who, who meditates? Do you go to church? It, is that where you derive your strength from? to have gone through all that you've gone through, especially at the beginning, you mentioned that coming out after that attack, you felt the ease of a higher power telling you that you're going to be okay, that everything's going to be fine. So, yeah, it, mm-hmm. um, I'll tell you something. When I was 13 years old, um, the, the foster home I was in, 
they were going away on a trip, vacation trip, family trip. So I guess I wasn't in the family. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they sent me to a farm. It was a Christian farm in London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the most beautiful experience. I've always been very spiritual because my grandmother is a Christian and she's such a beautiful woman. She she raised me. And um, so they sent me to this place and it was a Christian camp. And I I will say, yeah, I, I was spiritual, but they, I, I'm the type of person I need proof. So um, I they came and they were asking, does anyone want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I, in my head, someone just go, Joel. So I went. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is a gimmick. It ain't nothing. <laughs> you know, at 13, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I I went up and I got baptized and then I started speaking in tongue and I was, <gasps> I got scared. <laughs> yeah. And the pastor is like, no, you have to relax. Don't be scared. It's God. Like, it's don't be scared. This is going to protect you to your life. And I, I went on believing that, and I prayed to God every, everything I've been into, every trouble, every struggle. I prayed to God, and I've always managed to get out of my struggles, you know, and managed to see the brighter side of it. By the mm-hmm. grace of God, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm from then till now, I've always prayed. When I have a problem, I pray and I listen to God, and mm-hmm. that's that. Yeah, I, I, it, it what resonates with me. What you're saying is, I know for myself, my sight loss journey has been about five or six years, and I could pinpoint certain parts in my journey where it's gotten really hard and i've gotten i've i've gotten some kind of sign from from god saying that you know you're on the right path you know things are yes. going to be okay and that yes you have lost your sight but you know i have something bigger and better planned for you and i, I truly you, see that yes. in you that there's something bigger oh. and better planned yes. for you as well so how yeah. is the family now? How are your girls now? How is Jewel now? How is everyone? Um, living life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, they, I, I have my daughters. They're keeping me busy because they each have their own life. So mm-hmm. I'm involved. I make myself involved because this is something I never had as a mother. So mm-hmm. I do for them what... I would want my mom to do for me. Mm-hmm. So I take care of my grandchildren. I try to spend as much time with them, build memories. You know, I just got my first granddaughter. She's six months old. She gives me happy moments, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I give thanks to God for all of this. I take it as a blessing. And for me to share my story with you and and do this, this has been part of my journey. And I feel, you know, this is what the Lord wants me to do for for other people to hear my life and to hear what I've been through and hopefully 
for them, they'll get some type of satisfaction out of it and something to work with them and pull them through life. And hopefully come to be the space where I'm at. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad for your candidness and for your laughter and, and just for who you are like this, uh, this conversation, I truly have taken some some nuggets out of what you have said today. And uh, I hope good. the audience does as well. But just in case, what would you personally like the audience to take away from our conversation? Wow. That's a good one. Um, that don't give up. Mm-hmm. Just don't give up. That's about, like, that's about the best, like, you can't say any anymore. Don't give up on life, you know. Uh, make people happy around you, you mm-hmm. know. Put laughter, you know, make someone laugh. If you make people laugh, you're going to feel good. It'll mm-hmm. make you laugh. You know, that's 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 about what I can say. I don't have the a perfect remedy <laughs> for it, you know. Just make yourself happy, you know, try to give to people. And that's about it. Yeah. Laughter is the best remedy for a lot of things it, it really is and yeah. don't give up I mean I, and you had like you said you didn't have any family to help you but you did not give up you know and, and that I think that's something that um really stuck to me it's because your own family yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> that's all that's what you can do that's what you can do yeah, make your own make your own family you know make your yes. own tribe yes yes well, and that's what I said that's what got me through and mm-hmm. I made beautiful dot like I'm so happy the way they turned out because you mm-hmm. know uh, because of my lifestyle and the things I went through it kind of got me a bit scared there right Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah. I'm happy that they didn't take even a little bit of what, <laughs> yes. what I went through yeah yeah, yeah. well and I'm thank you for them if they do that's and that's a makings of a wonderful mother right yeah. and which is what you, you are you're welcome thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> well I want to thank you so much Jewel for having this conversation with me today I really appreciate you appreciate you taking the time and having the strength and the courage to share your story with with not just me but you know it'll be the world (laughs) so so, yes that will that's the end of our conversation today I want to thank everyone for listening and take care If you or someone you know is a victim of violence, please reach out to a crisis line or help center in your local region. We have attached a comprehensive list developed by Dawn Canada in our show notes below. And remember to please take care of yourself and each other. Until next time, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. For more CNIB podcasts, visit cnib.ca slash podcasts.